0: Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number ninety-seven. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy. Today on the show, I am delighted to welcome Yi Han Fung. She is the CEO of Yirandai. Yirandai is a Chinese platform, Chinese marketplace lending platform. It's been around for quite a few years. Uh, Before I go any further, I should also say that I own a small position. I own the equity of Yirandai because they are traded on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker YRD. So I wanted to get that out of the way. I first met Yi Han. Back in at the very first Lended event in New York, where we we noticed we had a, a small number of uh, Chinese people who had made the the trek to New York for our very first event. We had we did no marketing in China whatsoever, but they came to us and we started a conversation and they've been instrumental in i think in putting china on the map here in the united states and obviously they had the first ipo of a chinese marketplace lending platform that happened so in this show we dig into I we dig into the you know who their borrowers are who their investors are what's their business model and and what's coming down the track hope you enjoy the show welcome to the podcast yi han hi
1: peter thanks for having me
0: okay so Let's let's get started and give the listeners a little bit of background about yourself and, and particularly what you did before you you came to Credit Ease.
1: All right, yeah. Before I start, uh, I, I want to point out I'm a big fan, the loyal <laughs> listener of your podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm really happy to be here today.
0: That's good to yeah, hear.
1: Yeah, I, I joined, I joined Credit Ease about six years ago. Uh, after meeting our founder and the CEO, Mr. Lin Tang, in New York. Before that, I was in New York area for some years, studying and then working in internet companies on um, product management. I was in charge of web products for us.com for some years. Ask.com is currently a IAC company.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what did you do? What made you decide to come work at Creditease then?
1: Yeah, actually, when I met Ning in New York in 2011, I was not thinking of joining a financial company. You know, I've been in New York for so many years and have a lot of friends on Wall Street, Mm -hmm. but never thought I would enter the space. So I was actually trying to start some internet, you know, uh, startup companies. Uh, And I know Ning uh, was an angel investor. So I was talking to him about my project, and then, on the dinner table, he was lobbying me on you know his thing in China, so I got quite interested so I went first, I joined as a advisor, uh, but then you know um, became a, a formal employee of credit ease
0: okay and so you know, credit Ease obviously has been around for for quite some time over ten years now and and Year and die, it looks like it was created shortly after you after you joined Credit Ease. Can you tell us about the process of why Year and was started? What Why it wasn't part of Credit Ease, Why Credit Ease decided to spin it off?
1: Yeah, yeah. When I joined uh, Credit East, actually, I was an advisor for uh, going online for Credit Ease. At that time, uh, CreditEase was running for about five years, and the Ming always had the vision that this business, uh, peer-to-peer lending, needs to go online. Mm-hmm. But in China, it's very challenging. So he said, why don't you take a look and see what we can do to bring this uh, peer-to-peer lending online? And at that time, actually, in China, there was no like internet. Uh, in China, we call the fintech internet finance. Mm-hmm. And there was no internet finance, and there is no like fintech this this word right. uh, in the U.S. either. So we were just trying to bring the business online, and uh, you know it was developing, developing, and uh, now here we are. So when we first uh, developing inside inside credit use, uh, like other new businesses in credit east, it was always operated quite independently, right, uh, and with more of the internet company culture. Mm-hmm. After a few years, uh, we grew to a stage where, you know, business looked quite good. So in 2014, we spun off uh, from credit ease.
0: Okay. Okay, so the, so the the difference being that, you know, Urindai is totally online. It's 100% online. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay, so then uh, many, many people who've been to Lenders who listen to Lender Academy also I know Mr. Ning and uh, he's quite, uh, you know, he's spoken at Lended. He's, you know, he's, I know he's very famous inside China as well. He's obviously the CEO of CreditEase. Does he have a role at Urundai as well?
1: Uh, Ning actually is the board chairman of Yurindai. Okay. Uh, he works closely with uh, our management team on key uh, strategic uh, discussions.
0: Okay. Okay, that sounds good. So then you're... I know that Creditease now has, has obviously gone far beyond just a peer-to-peer lending platform. I know you have as many different divisions and businesses like wealth management and that kind of thing. So can you maybe just just tell the listeners a little bit about what Creditease does today, all the different pieces of it? Let's, let's just start off with that. What, what, so what, is, what does Creditease actually do today?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, today, Credit is actually covers a broad range of uh, financial services. On the financing side, it provides services to uh, consumers, small business, real estate, auto. It also has a leasing business. On the investor side, Credit is Wealth Management provides wealth management. And we just started asset management uh, last year. And they provide services to high net worth individuals. CreditEase also has a CreditEase FinTech Investment Fund, which is a venture fund investing in growth-stage FinTech companies in China and globally. It also has a credit fund called CreditEase Offshore Private Credit Fund. It focuses on high-quality private credits, including consumer and SME loans. Mm-hmm. And recently, just they just invested in some uh, U.S. lenders. As you mentioned, CreditEase is you know, both online and offline. It has over forty thousand employees, including over twenty thousand loan officers in branch offices and over four thousand financial advisors. So it reaches customers using using both online and offline ways. We call it High
0: tech and high touch. Right, right, and that's that's something that's very different, I think, to the the model in China than the model in the U, in the US. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. none of the new uh, fintech companies have you know, that many employees, and none of them actually have you know physical or branches or very very you know, hardly any, I would say. So that's that's a difference. So you the, you have twenty thousand loan officers, you said. So they they operate in cities all over China, and they you know their their whole focus is, is you know, sitting down face-to-face with the borrower and obviously making sure they are who they say they are and, and doing verification and all that sort of thing. So so I just want to find out, so how does Year and Die sort of plug in there? Does Year and Die, you said Year and Die is 100% online, does it find all of the borrowers online as well as the investors or is it using some of these credities and the fact that they can find all these borrowers offline and then bringing them online there? How, can you explain how it works?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yantai is an end-to-end online platform. We focus on personal, unsecured lending for urban salary workers. The reason we choose the urban salary workers, this documentation, is actually because, first, these people have huge needs that are, are not satisfied by existing financial solutions. Mm-hmm. Their their credit quality is, in, in general, pretty good. And very importantly, they use Internet a lot. So we are able to collect some of their data online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we started, really the, the uh, credit infrastructure uh, was not there and we had to use a lot of alternative data we collect online. And that's where our innovation really started. We built the first end-to-end landing mobile app in China. Mm-hmm. And currently it's the biggest in China. And we also was the first one to, to extensively use uh, online data for risk management, and we were able to provide loan product within minutes. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. So so today are you getting, I mean, what percentage of your borrowers come through the app? Is it 100% or is it, you know, what, what, what percentage would you say?
1: Yeah. Yeah. In terms of customers, actually, we have multiple ways to source customers. So our app is the biggest source. So for online acquisition, we actually have three major parts. One is a partnership. We're partnership with partnership with uh, other local apps, such as uh, apps where people manage their personal finance, mm-hmm. uh, where people search for loans, and uh, and some consumer verticals uh, consumption scenarios as well. And the second biggest way is the online uh, advertising, such as like uh, search. And uh, app downloads, app distribution channels, which is big in China. Also, native ads become very big too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, thirdly, we leverage Credit's offline sales networks as well. Currently, about 43% of the borrowers are sourced uh, from the Credit's uh, offline sales network.
0: Okay, so you'll take them, so CreditLease will find the borrower, they will verify and do the information offline, then they'll pass you the information and then you can place it on online and the investors can invest that way. So I see, that, that makes sense. Yeah. So then can you, like you said, these are urban people typically, they're, they're not very well well served right now. So what is the, can you just give us a sense of the typical loan terms, like the size of the loan, the rate, the, the length of the loan, that sort of thing? Yeah, uh, average
1: size would be uh, around the 60,000 RMB. Uh, with uh, two to three years of tenure. And uh, we have a risk-based pricing system, which gives four, price, four prices uh, currently uh, ranging from 18% to 30-plus percent APR.
0: Okay. So the lowest is 18%, is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, so so 60,000 RMB, what's that, about 9000 US dollars or thereabouts? Yep. Yeah, so it's not, it's not that much smaller than, than the typical borrowers over here.
1: Let me describe a typical borrower. That would be helpful. A yeah. borrower, yeah, is typically a, a, a young working professional, uh, a few years into work, uh, between like 25 to 35, uh, mostly guys. And we require them to have some credit history, for example, a credit card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, these loans are actually uh, relatively big uh, capital needs, yeah. uh, such as like wedding, home remodeling, uh, where there's no way for such a borrower to get uh, enough funding from other financial institutions, especially, you know, unsecured loans.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So currently we have uh, these four uh, rates and uh, most uh, borrowers are the highest APR because the costs are quite high, including uh, customer acquisition and mm-hmm. the risk management.
0: How um, competitive is it? Are you, like, someone's going to pay, you know, 18%, or I said most of them, most of them are paying more than 30%. Do they, mm-hmm. uh, why do they come to Yurindai and, uh, I mean, they're now, obviously we all hear about how competitive the Chinese market is. What is it that's unique to Urundai that, that, that attracts these people to your platform?
1: Yeah, actually, online lending has become like uh, more. You know, a lot more players entered this space. I think uh, since 2014. But if you look at most online uh, lenders, one type is like, for example, Ant Finance and uh, uh, Tencent. Mm-hmm. They're actually tapping into more of the bank customers, uh, which on the lower APR. Maybe eighteen percent or lower, so they right. I think currently at least they are more competing with the the banks, and most of the the other p two p online platforms are actually doing shorter tenure and smaller loans uh, with higher APR higher than ours mm-hmm. uh, I think the Union with all these years of um, experience because our loans are bigger, so we look at very deep data. Yeah, we collect a lot of data and our models are quite uh, complicated uh, comparing to other new online lenders because other new online lenders, they uh, majority of them serve customers who borrow like a few 1000 RD for a few months. You know, to a, a new player, uh, it's easier for them to verify their risk models and improve uh, in a shorter period of time. And most of their borrowers, I believe, don't have uh, uh, credit cards. But we target customers who have credit cards, but uh, whose credit card limits are not enough. I'll give an example, for example, one of our customers, he had a wedding uh, in Hainan with about 100,000, you know, costs, RMB cost. but he swiped his credit card, and there was no way for him to, uh, to borrow money from uh, banks without, uh, you know, collateral. And uh, he makes about eight thousand uh, RMB per month as a uh, subway security uh, uh, worker. So that's our typical customer.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. Right. That, that makes sense. So you've kind of isolated a section of the market that, that that hasn't been and continues to not be all that well served. So I want to just switch over to the other side of the of the marketplace and talk about mm-hmm. the investors because. Um, I know that this is, you You, you still, you know, in China, there, there's a huge number of investors that, that many of the platforms have. So can you just talk about who who are the typical investors that are, are funding these loans?
1: Yeah, uh, we target the online mass affluent. So we define as an investable asset from 600,000 to 6 million RMB. Uh, so our uh, typical investor is about uh, forty years of age, uh, both male and female, and uh, they are familiar with uh, mobile phone payment, online transactions.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, and what? How much typically do they do they put on the platform? Is there an average investor size?
1: Yes, uh, that's a very good question. Actually, we pay close attention to you know our uh, investor quality. Currently, we have about two hundred thousand investors. That are currently investing on our platform, and our AUM (asset under management) per investor is about is over 80,000 RMB, and uh, it, it's increasing because investors tend to uh, repeat and add more funds once right. they like us. And, and we uh, we really target on um, like mass affluent uh, instead of like uh, you know everybody.
0: Right, right. Okay. And do you do you offer these people like a, a target return? I know there's been a lot of talk in China about guaranteed returns. So, what do you offer the investors? What do you tell them before they sign up that they can expect when it comes to returns?
1: Yeah, what we offer to the investors actually is a tool. So, when we first developed the website, we actually offered the individual loans. Uh, but uh, when there's many, so many loans, it's actually hard for anyone to manage. So uh, we develop automatic tool for an investor to automatically take loans mm-hmm. and reinvest uh, from every month repayment, and uh, we give a lockup period for each investor based on their needs. For example, in twelve months, after twelve months, we we'll give you opportunity to exit. Uh, if there are new investors to take over, okay. so from the investor side, it looks like uh, you know simple like. Uh, Portfolio management, for example, if I want to hunt, uh, invest 100,000 r and for 12 months, and this tool will do the job. But of course, if there are not new investors to take over, he will have to hold the loans until uh, maturity. So currently, more than 90% of our investors choose this tool. Mm-hmm. And uh, we offer, on average, for 12 months, about 7.5% in return.
0: Okay, so then what is the, the model then for you? Because obviously you, the pure marketplaces here in the U.S., they make a borrower origination fee, they make a service fee on the investors, if the ones that are doing retail uh, investment, uh, and that's the extent. I mean, what is the revenue model then for and I? Are you making money on the borrowers mm-hmm. and on the investors? Can you explain that for us? Yeah, we actually charge uh,
1: transaction fees on borrowers and uh management fee from investors by providing the tool yeah those are our two major revenue sources and we also uh will have new revenue sources
0: sure so i just i'm just trying to get one, a sense then you've you said you set like 7.5% return to the investors for, your, uh, for the tool that you use. And you, you said that, you know, 18% borrower interest rate that has like, I say, a 3% default rate. Where's the rest of that spread going? Is that going to, to year and die? I mean, I'm just trying to work out where how the economics all work.
1: Yeah, so the costs are, uh, our major costs are one is the custom acquisition for both borrowers and uh, lenders. And altogether is about 8 to 9% for customer acquisition. Okay. Yeah, and uh, also we have, uh, currently we have a, a risk uh, protection fund, uh, which is about 7% of each loan. And for so the funding cost, actually the uh, 7.5%, yeah, is also uh, there. And then it's the operation cost. So okay. uh, currently our ROA is about 5%.
0: So, so I just want to just you said something there about the like this sort of um, provision fund, like they have they have this in the UK, where you know so you, you have seven percent of the money goes into this protection fund. So is this so is that in case someone defaults, the investor still gets their money, so and then, then this fund goes to to support the investors. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that's how it works now, and uh, because uh, our investors are mostly uh, individual investors. So uh, there needs some protection there. So this is not like a hundred percent guaranteed right, uh, right. responsibility from the platform. But uh, we we might improve uh, the fund mechanism. We're currently working even with with the regulators on a newer version of the protection.
0: Right. Okay. And do you do you work with institutional investors, or is it, or are you hundred percent retail?
1: Yeah, we are working with institution investors. Actually, in 2015, we had a round of securitization of RMD $250 million. And the last year, we had a round of uh, private uh, institution investors through trust of $300 million. Okay. Uh, and currently, we're actually working with multiple banks, institution money and, and uh, there will be news coming out uh, soon.
0: Okay. So then do you, what, what percentage do you, you think roughly of the of the borrowers that come that are uh, being institutional versus the individual investor?
1: Yeah, currently, you know, even though 300 million dollars this year is uh, actually still a small portion of our scale. Right. So we are definitely, you know, trying to test everything out and try to have like... A, more diversify the funding sources. Yep. So going forward, I definitely expect you know going a lot more. But I still think individual investors uh, would be a major source in the coming few years.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about your IPO. You were you IPOed at the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, I guess it's well over a year ago now, eighteen months ago roughly. Why did you choose the NYSE instead of IPOing in Shanghai or Hong Kong or something like that?
1: <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Yeah, at that time, we did think a lot. Yeah, but we thought first, uh, nyse uh, or Nasdaq already listed uh, Lending Club and Ondek, and uh, we think the U.S. stock market is actually more educated of marketplace lending. Also, uh, Ling and a few other management members all have experience in the U.S., and we're actually somewhat more uh, familiar and uh, comfortable with the U.S. capital markets, and we think uh, it is a good place to list.
0: Okay. And certainly it's done it's done quite well for you compared to on deck and Lending Club. You guys are, uh, are doing phenomenally well based on, uh, on your stock price as of uh, recently anyway. Thanks. So... I want to talk just a little bit about the state of marketplace lending in China. I mean, we had the the CBRC came out with uh, regulations mm-hmm. uh, about you know six or eight months ago. Can you just tell us like how the industry? What, what's, what's the state of the industry? What's the, what's been the impact of these of these new regulations?
1: Yeah, the past ten years of marketplace lending has uh, evolved. Uh, we think from like emerging where it was more of land-grabbing situation, mm-hmm. to fast-growing, where many players entered the space and wildly, with almost no barriers, <laughs> to now, which we think the industry is currently in an optimizing stage. The new regulations will definitely have a positive impact on consumer protection, which is super, super important because the customer sentiment uh, has been not the best we want. Right. in the past two years is due to some, you know, scandals. At the same time, you also have an impact on a higher entry barrier for fintech companies to be in, in the space, uh, which I think is a a good I and mean, a necessary thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I need to ask you a little bit about the, the fraud that gets reported from time to time, and it seems like it's been a while since we've had anything... Significant in China, but there's you know, a lot of people that that I talk to kind of you know dismiss China a little bit, and they say, "Oh, there's too much fraud there." How do what do you? you know, obviously, you're talking to U.S. investors. You know, you have your analyst calls for your quarterly calls now. I mean, what do what do you tell people about the the fraud that that has happened in China? Yeah, there
1: are actually two types of fraud. One is like a fraud platform which is really, really bad. (laughs) Uh And the the other one is like a a fraud uh, uh, risk, uh, which is also very big, big challenge in China for fintech companies. But this is actually normal in a country where there are huge demands uh, while uh, credit infrastructure regulation and maybe some laws are not uh, in place good enough. Yeah, so when we talk about to investors, we think really uh, the market opportunity is uh, quite different in China and that's very important to understand. So in the U.S., the opportunity is more on a cost-down or a better customer experience solutions to make the existing system more uh, better and more efficient. Well, in China, in addition to all these, the opportunities often include this big unmet and uh, underserved demand. Yeah. So that's very important uh, to uh, understand and uh, for marketplace lending i think it's a uh, kind of leapfrogging which is very similar to like mobile payment while well, when we started uh, late about uh, leapfrog i think more advanced than in the us yep now mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah i would agree with that i would agree with that so okay before i let you go i want to talk just a little bit about you know lend it which is now i can't believe it's already four weeks ago but uh we, you, know, you, you were on stage there at Lendit. You uh, launched the Urundai enabling platform. Can you explain what that is exactly? And is this, is this really a strategic shift for Urendai?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, Urendai enabling platform is a platform where we share uh, three things, data collection, untapped intelligence, and the online uh, customer acquisition capabilities with our partners. So through this platform, we really want to address a few pain points for the industry. One is the really high fraud cost, as we mentioned, Mm -hmm. Uh, because VMware has quite a lot of experience in identifying fraud. We want to share with partners so that the fraudsters will have fewer places to attack and make money. Data collection is also similar, you know, uh, with the proprietary technologies to collect all different kinds of data the high quality data, credit models can be more accurate and the approval rates can be higher because currently, you know, usually, at least for us, the approval rate is uh, still on the low side and it's um, not good experience for good customers. Mm -hmm. The other big, big pain point is very high cost for customer acquisition. You know, in China, there's no good bureau data, for marketing and that makes targeted marketing very challenging mm-hmm. and for financial services each company actually is serving a different segmentation so inside uh, we are currently the biggest online platform for our segmentation and our app has about 100,000 uh, new registered users every day but unfortunately we cannot serve all of them not the, the you know it's not that they're not good, but it might be qualified for other products. So that's why I want to share the borrowers uh, with the other uh, online lending platforms uh, that um, have different products serving different segmentation, and the cost uh, can be shared both for Yunda and others.
0: So with the yendai enabling platform... Are you are you going to be selling to other online learning platforms? And also, what about banks? Are you going to be selling this sort of all of your intelligence and to banks as well?
1: Yes, actually, we already got some attention from banks uh, on both like uh, data and anti fraud, as well as customers. You know, we are actually serving like customers slightly lower than banks. There are many other online platforms serving like lower quality customers. So we really think all these together would result in a better customer experience because customers have to pay high APR because of all these high costs for uh, customer acquisition and the risk management. Mm-hmm. So we want to uh, make, help the industry uh, become better. And of course, we'll be able to have some additional revenue stream. Mm-hmm. Um, we think only if the industry is good, you know, we can do a, a good business.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. In terms of the shifting strategy, actually, this is part of our, our partnership strategy. We're not uh, shifting.
0: Okay. So, what are you working on right now? I mean, what's, what's next for year and I?
1: Yeah, market is still huge in China, and there are so many opportunities. Uh, but in the next few years, we want to uh, focus on two areas. One is really to continue to have extended and healthy growth. We already set a target of $100 billion in 2020. This will include a lot of branding, brand building work, mm-hmm. optimizing our own like, products and the conversion and customer experience. And the big thing is the that well, We want to partner with more consumer finance, industry solutions, banks, and deeper partnerships with like a big uh, internet giants in China, as well as through the enabling platform to share the, the users. And the second area would be customer engagement. We want to engage our customers for both borrowers and investors. So as a technology-driven company, we're developing tools and services to build relationships with uh, borrowers, not only during the loan, but also before and after the loan services, and to engage our potential customers as well. Uh, our goal is for uh, Hyundai to become one of the uh, one go-to place for online lending, And for investors, we have a big and excellent investor base now, and uh, we are offering more services such as uh, investor education tools that connect their healthy lifestyle with healthy Mm investments and cross-selling other uh, financial uh, products and services. These two are our main focuses but there are a lot to do and we're super excited
0: for the <laughs> yes. years to come. There's a lot to yeah. do. Okay, well on that note we'll have to we'll have to leave it there, Yihan. I really appreciate you coming on the show today.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Okay. See ya. See ya. I've been saying this for some time now. My partner, Jason Jones, has as well, that China is not just the largest market in the world. It clearly is that when it comes to this industry. But I would say it's also the most important. There's more innovation happening in China. There's more investor dollars in China than in any other country in the world and i think if you're serious about this industry you you should be starting to pay attention to china china is going to be an important player in the west in over the coming decade i think you're going to see more and more uh presence from china and uh, i think starting a relationship now with this fascinating country i think would behoove everybody in the industry So on that note, before I sign off, I want to give a quick plug to our next event for LendIt, which is actually LungDi FinTech 2017. It's coming up in China on July 15th and 16th in Shanghai. Details are on the Lendit website. Go to Lendit.com and click on the China tab. You can find out all the details about that event. We expect to have close to 2,000 people. We're going to have lots and lots of Westerners coming. We also have the Lendit Executive Tour, which is you know a seven-day event. This, this year, it's actually, we're expanding it a little bit. It's going to start in Macau, go to Hong Kong, Beijing, and Shanghai, and it will culminate in the Lundi FinTech event. And if you're serious about China, I think you should be coming to one or both of those events. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.